This is Jessica. This is Kelly, the Chasing Brighter podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to our very first book club. The book is The Gift of Fear by Gabba DeBecker. Jessica and I really felt this was um, a book we wanted to start with um, because it's very relevant for a lot of topics happening today in our popular culture and really um, wants something that's very near and dear to our hearts in terms of empowering women, which is part of what our mission is with Chasing Writer. The Gift of Fear by Gabba DeBecker. The first edition of it was written a long time ago. I will look at what the t- thing was. I think it's 97. Um, 97? Okay. And then... Is that what it says? Yes. And then Oprah, the one I saw from Oprah was from 2008. Yes, because it was the 10th anniversary. Yeah. I don't know, though, if she's had him before or something, because she kind of like... She had him a lot. She had him a lot okay. on the show. But that was specifically the gift of fear. And um, just to note that you know, Gavin DeBecker is a world-renowned expert on predicting violent behavior, and he runs a huge company with 900, you know, like a firm of 900, which helps people globally, um, uh, helps protect from violence, with safety, and yes. predicting violence. Mm-hmm. So I just want to point out, <clears throat> I think it's I think I have a need to prove I'm better than you. And so I just want to point out that I read this book 14 years ago. You have a much prettier copy and you probably bought yours new. I bought mine used. No, I I don't know if I did the Kindle before. Maybe I have another version of this, but I just bought, I saw that book that you have. I think because this one was the most recent. I like to receive up-to-date information. This has a thing about COVID in it. Oh, I'm out of date on that. My book's probably better than yours, but not really. The introduction says, hey, I could have changed the content to address all of these things. However, it doesn't really impact it because we're talking about human behavior and human behavior hasn't changed. I'm not changing the book. So that was my summary of the the new intro. Um, This, so I I heard about this book years ago on NPR. Gavin DeBecker was being interviewed and... um, he said, every woman needs to read this book, every woman you know. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I totally agree. What do you think about that recommendation? Um, I totally agree as well. Um, and you could probably take this book and um, find it to be very, very relevant at any given time in life. Example, right now with the media and anxiety and hysteria and unnecessary things that cloud our judgment sometimes and being able to filter through the noise, which was some of the topic in the book. I feel like it's happening right now. When that book was written, I was watching because I was like nerding out and doing my research, but he did an interview with uh, Charlie Rose. And the week he did the interview with Charlie Rose was the week that Princess Diana was um, killed. And um, it, it talked about, I guess, at her service, maybe it was when I was at her funeral service, but that intuition was one of her strongest gifts. And so they had this whole reference to that. So you can almost argue that any given point in time, um, it's very relevant. Yeah. And I think for me, I would say the very, very biggest takeaway ever that changed 
I think the way I recommend as a clinician would be the best response is no response. And how I would summarize the book, just to kind of explain what it is, is I think that Gavin were close like that. I can call him on a first name basis and that he um, goes through kind of every type of violence, intimate violence, sexual assault, workplace violence, intimate stalking, um, workplace stalking, um, people who are stalking famous people and, and goes through each of those situations. And when he went through stalking and where it's like the best response is no response because each response will elevate the next response. And if you tell someone no, 10 times, you are, you know, talking to them nine more times to engage with them. Yes. And responding after 20 messages teaches that you will respond after 20 messages right? And then the pursuer and the victim have something in common. Neither of them are letting it go. And so, so many times I will tell people the best response is no response. That can be if you have a divorce, a high conflict divorce, and you're getting toxic messages from your ex, the best response is no response, right? The, and, um, there are so many ways in which that can answer, like that does not need a response. You don't need to encourage that behavior because the response encourages the behavior. So one thing that I, I really, I wrote down after there's so much information in this book. It is why everybody should just buy a copy and have it to reference it. I mean, a woman, and I've told a lot of my friends here in Chicago, I think, especially living in a city where it's, I feel like you are at a higher risk of being victimized, like mugging or whatever it is, but this whole idea of fear because you might be encountering um, unexpected people. Um, I think it's just good. It's part of building like your street smarts. Um, but one and of the I things want to that- I add to that yeah. real, real quick and say, because he says you can ask a man, when's the last time you were afraid for your life? And they won't remember, but you can ask a woman and she'll say last Thursday. Well, and because- that, yeah. Well, tying that to what they had or what they mentioned about, um, cause men said, are afraid, right. men are afraid at being laughed at by women and women are being afraid of being, women are afraid of being killed by men, like at the yeah. core, that's like messed up. Right. It is kind and, of a crazy thing. And I mean, I, I think that is when you encounter a stranger, that's is where that becomes very applicable. Um, and that's because when it comes to violence, women, right? Men of all ages and all parts of the world are more, sorry, are more violent than women. Men are more violent than women in all parts of the world. That is based on research. That's why he says, this isn't, I'm not being politically correct, right? When it comes to language, politically correctness would be statistically incorrect because women are a majority, the victims of violent crimes, the men being the perpetrator. The other thing I was thinking about really to flip this on its head was we both have sons and learning how to teach them to respect women's wishes. And as a parent, when you say no, sometimes your kids still push you. And I was thinking about like, if my husband says no to the kids, do they fight him? But when I say no, they, they do. And because the thing was, is when a woman says no, it's like a negotiation, whereas a man says, a man says no, 
it's the yeah. final word. That, and like, it's end of the discussion. That's my favorite quote. When a man in our culture says no, it's the end of the discussion. And when a woman in our culture says no, it's the beginning of a negotiation. And that no is a complete sentence. And a person who ignores no is trying to control you. So that is what is really important for us to raise our young people into understanding. And I think given the like the Me Too movement and all of that, where women said no, did people expect that to be a negotiation instead of no means no? So it's okay for a man to say no, but not for a woman. And so that whole, I know we don't want to go down that path, but it does just make me think to be conscious of that in terms of how we are raising our, our kids. I have always been like that. And I know it's because I have a skewed, right? Yeah. I have a skewed understanding of the population because of the nature of my job, but I have always said, and I know I'm overboard, but when my husband was tickling the kids and they would say, stop, stop. And he kept tickling when they were very, very little, yeah, I was yeah. like they said no. And we're teaching our kids that no means no. And I'm sure my husband probably rolled his eyes and was like, you're a psycho, but he stopped and we do. And I can't Kelly, probably two to three times a week. I'm telling my kids, they said, no, no means no, right. You're teaching your kids. They don't, you know, you're playing. I know people are laughing and it's confusing, but it, to me, no, no is a sentence. It needs to be respected. I really like that, Jess. And um, I think that that is probably the biggest part that right now we can take away and like, um, you know, bestow upon our listeners is that um, piece of what to think about in our daily lives and what we're saying. So I think that, you know, there were a lot of topics in the book. Um, A lot of them may or may not be relevant to everyone. The book does go into some pretty graphic details on some pieces, but I think it's really important as especially a woman to be very aware of the risks and what could happen and how but to- I take it, sorry, go ahead. How to really think about your intuition, right? Yeah, yeah. I just watched the, when he was on Oprah and they did more- case studies than, than in the book. And, um, we have a natural gift of intuition that we ignore and talk ourselves out of hearing and that we're the only creatures that sense danger and walk into it anyway. Like all other animals sense danger and turn around away. And we have a feeling and the feeling is the warning sign. And then our thoughts talk ourselves out of it but to be in touch with your feeling and, and, and recognize it and validate it. Do you think that, again, I made the reference to the media and I have to look back through more of my notes as I'm talking, but what I think about today too, even when you think about walking away from harm is that we, there's so much noise in our lives and it's difficult to really be in the present and it's difficult to to listen to your intuition right and i think that's really been a lot of what we like even tying this back to our own spiritual journey or our own self-discovery journey that we've been really on and thinking about you know other books we read think about glennon doyle and untamed she talks about the knowing it is that the knowing is that intuition it's it's sensing what feels right and what feels wrong. And when you feel uncomfortable, recognizing I feel uncomfortable and thinking about that. And I actually just had a recent 
um, experience with work where I, I was on a conference call. I mean, this is so minor conference call. Things didn't feel right, but I didn't do anything about it. And I mentioned it to a couple people, still didn't do anything about it. A week went by, I had a call again, same people, and like started getting additional feedback about stuff. I was like, wow, why didn't I just take a, a, take care of that sooner? Like something was off. And I think where a lot of what some of, and this book in particular is about like really listening to that and channeling it, right? And I think it goes back to some of the other books I read, like Untamed, where practice makes perfect, right? The more you're doing that, the more you're thinking, feeling you're using your intuition, going with your gut, listening to yourself, it'll always serve you best. And I, and, and so just to give some examples in the book, one examples of the cases, and then also just generic examples. Um, one was there was a, a man and he had a, a child or children and he pulled up to the house and the light was on. And he was like, I don't remember leaving the light on. And like the cat wasn't in the house and he ignored you know, like, wait a minute, I thought I did this and I thought I did that. And there was a man in the house with a gun and he kind of went on a tirade and kind of held the family hostage in the room for several hours. So that was an example of ignoring some intuition. Um, another example, examples that they kind of gave were like, if you, if you, if you're walking down the street and you hear someone behind you and you put your head down and keep walking versus stopping, turning around, looking the person up and down and then going on your way. So what that does is it shows you, number one, I'm an assertive person. You don't scare me. And number two, if something were to happen, you have a clear visual of what that person looks like. And then going back with the no of, of many times examples in the book, someone said no, the perpetrator ignored it. And they said no again, and the perpetrator ignored it. And so the perpetrator was able to do that. So a simple example, let's say you're putting groceries in your car and someone said, let me help you with that. And you said no, and they grabbed your groceries anyway, and you allowed them to do that. That's almost like a grooming. And so just to say, no, I said, no, I have it, grab the bags. And we're so worried about um, being impolite in our culture, but yes. really just kind of listening to the gut. And when you say no, following through and not allowing the person to, to push over and bowl over your boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, thinking about that and relating and even to like closer to home, remember mom always would tell that story about when she was in college. This was like in the middle of the seventies when there were like serial killers in Kansas everywhere. <laughs> and, <laughs> it was a lot of murders. Yeah. There were, there was like roaming all over the U S really, <laughs> there was no internet. So people didn't know that they were there. Well, cause they, she lived off I-70, right? Wasn't there like an I-70 killer? Anyway, I used to be into those things. Now that I have kids, it like gives me way too much anxiety to be interested, but she was offered a man. She was like walking back to her, right? I was after work. She was walking back home. She thought it was her friend's car. I don't know if she's waiting for a ride and she jumped, she voluntarily jumped in the car and thought it was her friend. And then she said, he started speeding and went right to the highway. And she was like, let me out, let me out. And she was like, if you don't let me out, I'm just going to open the car and jump out. And then he stopped and let her out, which is yeah, crazy. Yeah, so you talk about in the book too. And, and on the Oprah episode, they talk about how you react. And if you react, right, kind of depending on how you react. And so she's like, I'm just going to open the car and roll out. Like she knew, she, you know, she knew this was not. He was he like, he turned toward the highway. She knew that if she didn't get out of the car, something was going to happen. So she was like freaking out and screaming. 
or not screaming, whatever she did. But yeah. anyway, yeah. Like she knew if he got on the highway, I'd be gone. Which is so crazy. I think it's crazy because he didn't kidnap her. She voluntarily jumped in random car. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, oh, you randomly jumped in the car of a murderer, a rapist. <laughs> well, that was back in the day when people used to, you know, hitchhike and everything else. So yeah. Yeah. But she, yeah. But her instincts told her, get out of there. Get out of there. Um, um, go ahead. I was looking back through my notes on a couple other points I wanted to make. I think even relating to these topics was the idea of it's, I just made a note about not wasting effort on being afraid of something you think is going to happen. And that a lot of people go through life with that. And he gave that example of the woman, right? Who worked late hours and she parked in an empty parking lot and she spent her whole life with this tremendous anxiety that something was going to happen to her based on some choices that she was making where she was wasting a lot of time being afraid of something happening to her in a certain instance that it was less about her intuition and more about her like her anxiety and her mind kind of um creating that creating that threat that wasn't real and that causes one to not know when a threat is real or not if you're always thinking that there is a threat kind of living in fight or flight and then that doling your your senses or i think about i and i didn't remember this from the first time i read it but when he says i thought this was fascinating why does America have thousands of suicide prevention centers and not one homicide prevention center? Do you remember that from the book? I was like, wow, that was profound to me. You know what Why I also I found know? to be amazingly profound and again, extremely timely was at the back of the book when he talked about handguns. I don't know if that was in your version. What I thought to be crazy interesting was his whole opinion about what firearms. Was his opinion? I didn't get um, to back. the very end of my reread. Well, so he said, I'm advocating for something far more practical, something we might call bullet control. I propose that we hold gun manufacturers to the same product liability standards we require for every other consumer product. Imagine if a caustic drain opener were sold in easy pour, flip top, pistol grip dispensers, made attractive to children by endorsement of celebrities. Now drain owners, drain openers can hurt people, but they aren't made for that purpose. Handguns are made precisely for that purpose. So shouldn't manufacturers be required to build in safety features that could have been technologically practical for decades. Even electric drills have safety triggers yet revolvers do not. So yeah, that was like crazy. Technology like a coated ring, a wristband, a combination lock built into the gun. Um, it's almost easier like that you change to shoot than, yeah. most handguns than to open a bottle of children's vitamins. That is very yeah. true. That is ridiculous. Yeah, it was a very insightful chapter. I think if, if everyone could read that, this is where like some things kind of never change. I mean, that's from 1997, right? We're still battling some of these things, yeah. which is I mean, crazy. About like mass practical shooting. I remember I read yes. that book, um, and I remember, I was like, I wonder if he was there for Columbine. I wonder if he was there for Sandy Hook. I wonder, you know, if he went back and debriefed with people. And, um, you know, I do think he, because he talked about mass shootings in the book. 
and he talked about what I took away. You let me know you, you, it's fresher in your memory, but what I remember of it was that type of person is looking for recognition and what the media should do is not talk about them, not say anything about them, not that get them any recognition and that immediately there will be a copycat right after. And that's always what's happening right now. It's been happening. And, and again, he wrote that, you know, 25 plus years ago. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the whole idea of going postal, right. Came from that. Um, right. workplace he, violence he there. Yeah. Yeah. And like, just that the, the, the like bombs that were being sent by the Unabomber and how the one guy was like, well, you guys go ahead and open that package. I'm going back to my office. Yes. And Crazy. Right. Arrived. Yeah. I think there's so many really profound insights in this book. Um, you know, the very core, if you look at even the subtitle, that's this book can save your life. Um, pretty much sums it up. And I think as a woman, what's really cool and empowering about this book is us as women have an even greater special gift of intuition. And, you know, I think that's something that you and I, part of that, again, part of you learning about yourself and who you are is about really identifying and being listening to your intuition and listening to your gut. The knowing is what Glennon Doyle calls it as well. But that whole um, untapped, crazy superpower that we have and how this book helps, you know, us all to channel that and, um, continue to hone it. Yeah. I think I, I, I concur with that summary. And one of the reasons why this book is so powerful is that it helps us to be encouraged to hone into the gift that we have naturally yep. and give us the tools that we can use yes. to keep ourselves safe. Well said. Thank you all for tuning in with us today on our very first book club book, The Gift of Fear. If you haven't read it, get it, read it. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to follow us on chasingbrighter.com or on YouTube at Chasing Brighter or on Instagram at Chasing Brighter.